Broadcasting from our studios in beautiful Vancouver, Canada, this is Hashtag Finance, West Coast Edition, presented to you by the CSE, the Exchange for Entrepreneurs. Hi, my name is Anna Saren. I'm Director of Listings Development with the Canadian Securities Exchange, and I am here today at the CSE Hashtag Finance Podcast, West Coast Edition, with my colleague and friend, Sean Kingsley. Sean, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Anna. Thanks, CSE, as well. This is an awesome setup, and I'm happy to be here. We're very excited. <laughs> well, listen, if you're out west and you don't know Sean Kingsley's name, you're obviously not in the small cap space and definitely not in mining. Sean, I, I wanna start off by getting a bit of your background. Uh, you have probably become one of the most networked people in the mining sector in Vancouver and, and as well as Toronto. I mean, you've made big headway over there as well. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Let's start there. Okay, I've been in the industry focused on mineral exploration, junior resource or mining for the last 13 years. Uh, for the first four or five years, I was a major introvert. I would go to conferences, grab people's two pagers and fact sheets and presentations, take them back to my office and try to make them better. I, I, I didn't want to network or connect or anything like that until I made a decision that I need to really get out there. So I got involved with associations. I started uh hosting mining for beer here in vancouver and now yeah i guess i am <laughs> a big networker what was the catalyst what was the change getting involved actually starting to know people and starting to introduce myself to people uh, getting involved in amebc which is our association for mineral exploration um my cousin was a chair of a couple of their committees so i got involved in their committees started to get to know people and really put myself out there and it pays dividends actually any industry you're in it's about your connections and about who you know and how far you can get you know by knowing people and uh you know pretty much not leveraging it but uh applying your connections to your growth as well well why don't you tell us a little bit about some of the stuff that you started in vancouver because you have a bunch of different initiatives that you work on you really <laughs> do bring people together which is kind of an amazing thing yeah. i think you're pretty unique in the space in general there's not many guys like you out there um, you know, making it rain. So tell us a little bit about what you do in Vancouver. That's funny. An introvert that's ex extroverted. <laughs> um, so mining for beer, I've been doing for about seven years. On average, about 80 people coming out, networking. There's no soliciting, no selling stock, no sponsorship or anything like that. It's all about bringing cards and connecting with other people that have like-minded interests, which is the mining industry. Uh, so that's great. We get about 80 people every month. Uh, the Ground Up Networking Reception, which thanks to the CSE for being a founding sponsor and it helped me kind of create this about four years now. Was it um, four years ago? Yeah. Like essentially we're, we're coming up to our fourth annual PDAC edition, wow. which last year we had 1,200 RSVPs. I know. It's insane. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. Well, your Vancouver one had how many? Uh, about 800. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a lot of people signing up. It's you growing know, fast. It, yeah. it really is. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of amazing to watch it grow because the first one we did was at an office, wasn't it? Yeah, it was an office with a nice wraparound deck here in Vancouver. It was beautiful. And we had about maybe 350, yeah. 350 show up. So yeah, it's 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 grown pretty big. We're going to have to find a bigger venue soon. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny that you say an introvert because I'll never forget my first time going to PDAC mm. uh, by myself and just walking into the room by myself is maybe one of the most scariest experiences I've ever had. And I really just went there to network, to meet yep. people, to try and find a place for myself in the industry. Yep. And I think that really speaks to what you've done, um, you know, in your tenure in the sector. 
um, it really speaks to the fact that what you provide companies um, is IR. And I think that transition of going from an introvert to an extrovert and putting yourself out there, um, you know, speaks volumes on what you've done for a lot of companies. So why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, some of your IR practices and, and kind of how you view where IR should be for a mining company? Well, first of all, I'm just going to put it out there. Uh, we're in 2020. It's a brand new decade. So I really feel these roaring 20s are going to be the first step off leap of the best decade of any of our careers. So it's really important on how we understand how to get involved or how to invest in stuff. So going back to investor relations, it's all about telling a story. You know, the marketplace, the real, you know, the investor bases and pretty much the different places where people look, there's that net of people that are interested in investing into public companies, private companies, you know, companies that have good stories, good managements and good projects. So how do we bridge those gaps? So IR comes in, there's many different things, podcasts, like what you guys are doing here is great. So that's educating people and giving people that information, um, that bridge. So yeah, IR, we do a lot of different things. <laughs> well, and I think you touched on something really important and that is the stories. And I think that's something um, that other sectors by nature of what they are as a sector, mm. they're able to tell their story a little bit differently. There's a lot of technical information involved in the mining sector. Um, and you definitely are someone who fell in love with the stories. And, and I think you do an amazing job of telling those stories. Um, I know that, um, you've recently been working in the golden triangle and you fell in love with that story. Why don't you, why don't you tell us a golden <laughs> triangle story? So for you that may not know what about the Golden Triangle, Golden Triangle is based, you know, it's it's 90% owned by the Taltan First Nation, which is very important uh, in British Columbia. They're one of the most proactive First Nations group uh, anywhere in Canada, if not North America, if not the world. And, you know, the, the Golden Triangle is a very special place that is not getting that special attention it deserves. But that's changed all in the last, say, five years which a lot of investors don't realize, but you know, 20 years ago, the Golden Triangle, actually even 50 years ago, when projects, major d deposits like the Galore Creek, SK Creek, uh, Red Chris, these were first identified 50 years ago, but because of the glaciers covering most of BC uh, during that time, it wasn't an easy place to explore and develop and discover and develop. Um, but now with receding glaciers at unprecedented times, it's opened up a lot of opportunities. And a lot of investors don't realize that because of these glaciers receding, you're seeing all this stuff on surface that has never been seen before. Wow. If you look anywhere else in the world, a lot of it has already been discovered because it's right there, it's easy to explore. But now that the glaciers are receding on, you know, in the last 10 years, it's it's there's gonna be a lot more deposits discovered in BC. Oh, wow. That's very cool. It's it's really exciting. And that's where as, as investors, that's where we make money in, in the discovery. There's a, a thing called the Lausanne cycle of junior exploration, where it goes from incubator stage, where a, the CSE lists a, a public company and is essentially just a, a basket of investors and a team. And then the team acquires a project and then they start doing some work. They, they, they raise some capital to do initial exploration. But once they have that discovery, it goes up and up and up. And then once that discovery is bought by a major, it goes back down into more of the permitting stages and feasibility stages and studies and stuff like that. And then it goes into production. So 
where we're at with the Golden Triangle with a lot of these different areas opening up is there's a lot of opportunity to see this big growth. If you look at GT Gold, GT Gold back in 2017 was trading at like 10, 15 cents. They had a discovery, uh, went to about 260, $2.60, and they're only started that curve going up. They haven't been bought out yet. So how high can they go? Yeah, I, you know what? It's got such a neat history to it. You've been up there, haven't you? Yeah. So tell me about your adventure <laughs> up there. It is It is not called the Great Northwest for nothing. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's high elevation. You know, it's, it's mostly fly-in. Actually, the infrastructure in the last three to five years have changed dramatically. There's a highway going from Smithers all the way up to Dee's Lake. Oh, wow. And, okay. you know, 20 years ago, there was no paved highway. There's no airports or anything like that. So that's all changed in the last few years. So would everything get flown in for camp? Um, some projects, yes. But okay. going up the highway, it's about a four, four and a half hour drive from Smithers or from Terrace. There's two highways yeah. that connect. Um, about four and a half hour drive and you see about maybe a dozen black bears, maybe a couple brown bears. Wow. Um, so it's a really cool drive. It's a paved highway. Um, but each project is different. Some are along the highway and some are a bit over. So for Crystal Lakes project, it's a five hour drive up to what we call the Alta gas facility, which is very important for investors to understand what has happened in the last three years. Alta gas built three hydroelectric power plants. We're not talking about just regular dams. These are new technology, new age hydroelectric power plants which was approved by the First Nations, the Taltan. They're actually, they invested $150 million last year for only 5% of part of that scheme. Wow. And essentially, that's a game changer because these are you know, approved by the First Nations, which is number one. You can't do anything unless you get approval or yeah. you know, work together in collaboration with First Nations. But that changes the whole scenario of this area of the Golden Triangle that these projects that have taken decades to put into production and new ones are being discovered will expedite that process now that we have infrastructure going up but it is beautiful yeah. i should take the csc up there sometime soon you really should <laughs> well so you and i both sit on the um marketing communication committee for ame yep. and i think people might be surprised to know how much infrastructure and work and time and resources are put into having good relations with uh mm. different bands and 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 first nations and so do you want to touch on that at all yeah, you know, anywhere in the world, you know, First Nation collaboration and relationships are your first stepping stone. Like we did a contest last year for on behalf of Adventure Canada Women in Mining, where pretty much the winner tweeted what the biggest development within the next 10 years in the mining industry was going to be. And what she said was essentially collaboration and relationship building with First Nations at the very start of any exploration project. So what is, what is key about that is essentially when a company is created, if a company goes and acquires a project but doesn't create those relationships or builds those connections with the First Nation of that area, they can block anything they want. Yeah. It's up to them, really. So, you know, like, I, I won't go into a story and stuff, um, <laughs> but, yeah, there's a lot of... There's a lot of uh, um, positive things happening here in BC, yeah. but also in Ontario and, you know, First Nations is, is key to any development. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, why don't we, uh, why don't we dive into a little bit of the investment side of things? I think mm. one thing that, 
um, is difficult about this sector is that the the capital that is raised for these companies it goes into drill programs so unlike other sectors where there is the potential for revenue the company um, or the mining project has to go quite a far distance into the developmental stage to ever um, be looking at revenue possibilities Mm -hmm. so when you're investing in these companies you're investing money into a company um, with very little hope of that that return yeah. so the investment side really comes down to the secondary market which is obviously what the stock market is so mm-hmm. um it's investor sentiment it is promotion it is ir um, abilities and then obviously drill results are you know kind of the foundation of all that Pivotal. so yeah. so from the investment when you give give our listeners a little bit of advice that if they want to invest in the mining sector what are some things that you pay attention to because i know you're a big investor in the space as well yeah you know before 2008, you know, it, it was it was easy. Like essentially, you had a good story, you had a good project, you had a good team, and they're able to. You know, it is a capital intensive uh, industry. But essentially, uh, hmm, the checklist. There's just so <laughs> so much, so many different factors, and we get it wrong as investors as well too. Things change. The number one thing as an investor is know your management team. You know, is your management in? Uh, you know, pretty much in. Like, are they shareholders? Like, do they have skin in the game? Like, are yeah. they are they aligned with investors, with shareholders? Like, if they had a big discovery or, you know, say for instance, Crystal Lake, we discovered a brand new porphyry system, which majors love. Eventually, as that porphyry system gets developed, the majors will be more attentive to it. And that could relate to a buyout. But if the CEO didn't own 20 million shares and he owns a million, no, say a uh, hundred thousand shares. Yeah. Even if the stock went from like 15 cents up to like $10, how much money is he making versus pretty much if he had 20 million or he does have 20 million shares, imagine the big difference. Like that is a life-changing, career-changing, like all that. So find companies that are aligned with shareholders. That's number one. Yeah. Uh, number two is jurisdiction risk. You know, pretty much First Nations. There's First Nations, there's environmental, there's there's so many different factors. Political yeah totally like especially like look at venezuela like they they nationalized you know pretty much their oil industry you know finding a safe jurisdiction that if you do discover a deposit it could go into production and that's where we make stand to make a lot of money yeah 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 absolutely it's not easy though it's not easy (laughs) um and i think the other thing too is that obviously you can you can buy on the market anytime but um you know one thing that is incredibly valuable is when you can participate um in a financing directly in a company Mm -hmm. because you know that you know your money is going into that drill program what are ways that a new investor can find out if a company is having a private placement or um you know find a way to participate in them yeah you know private placements are key usually you know it, it was the old school uh participants the gray-haired guys the guys that had the connections to the companies now information is public and it's readily accessible um, so you can find out about private placements anywhere. You do need to be accredited investors, but there are new, uh, um, what do we call them? We're pretty much a new listing. So on IPOs, you don't have to be a, an accredited investor. That's, that's correct. Yeah. Just but the private placements. There's also policy clauses or some, I, I don't know that word where 
you know, you can invest if you're an existing shareholder. If you're an existing shareholder rule. So yeah. if you've already bought on the market, then you're allowed to participate in a, in a private placement. Yeah. So that opportunity definitely exists. And I think, I think there's some great opportunity there because if you, if you're watching a company, you like it, you buy something on the market, mm-hmm. um, you know, then you can, then you can get yourself further in. And the private placements is your, le- the upside leverage, like essentially most of them, if not all of them, actually, I can't say that, but most of them <laughs> come with a warrant and a warrant gives you the right to purchase that stock at X amount of price for X amount of years or months. Um, so hypothetically, if you bought a stock at 25 cents and it came with a warrant at 50 cents, stock went to five bucks, you're guaranteed to exercise your warrants at that 50 cent level, regardless if it's at a dollar or five dollars. Um, so it gives you that upside potential. Plus you also got that unit, which the original unit from at 25 cents. So there's, there's a lot of different techniques or, or strategies in terms of prior placements, but you know, like these companies do need money to develop their projects. And as long as they're hitting their targets and hitting their milestones and getting the results that we all expect, or it should warrant, um, then we're all in pretty places. But one thing I got to note to just general investors, you know, pretty much you invest into a company for a reason, either, you know, it's the management has good track record or, you know, pretty much the projects, you love the area, there's a lot of success in the area, or, you know, pretty much, uh, you know, I hate to say it, but you know, they're good at communications and marketing and getting that word out, getting that buzz and excitement going. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or it could be all three factors, but as an investor, you invest into a company for a reason and you need to always analyze when that company is developing you need to analyze and make sure you're keeping track to make sure once they do hit that reason for you investing, do you have a reason to continue to invest? That's a really good point. Well, and on top of that, like it's, I got another good, uh, yeah, like essentially it's high risk. We're in, as junior expiration is very high risk, you know, any, any factors or any issues can happen or in any positive things can go happen and the stock goes for an amazing run. But, you know, pretty much you need to, well, you need to analyze your position and always check with yourself, but also don't be shy to take some off the table. Like if the stock goes from 25 cents to a dollar, you can take, you know, your initial capital out. So you're at zero risk basis. Yeah, 100%. Because the hardest thing about investing is your emotions. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it, it really is hard. And I think there's also lots of um, there's lots of dialogue and noise that goes on. So yeah, mm. find find your sweet spot. Yep. And when you get there, remove your money off the table and be happy with what you got or or remove your initial investment and let let the rest of it go. Unless you're, you know, risk adverse. Yeah. And 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 you know, your your strategy or your reason for investing remains intact. But if you're risk adverse, there's also lots of great opportunity in the mining sector still. I mean, yeah. there's lots of senior companies out there that you can yeah. uh, you know, put but your investment dollars into and, and have a bit more stability. One of one of my mentors gave me some really good advice early on back in 2018 2008 when you know I was already a year into the industry but he said you know as as someone getting involved into investing into the industry for the very first time you should only invest 10% of your portfolio in you know wildcats high risk uh, expiration type of big wins and within that 10% divvy it out between five or ten companies that you know a little bit 
different in sense, but essentially, you know, out of those 10 companies, three of them could be big winners that will cover any of those losses and stuff. Yeah. So you need to diversify and then the rest of your portfolio, you know, have RSP and some in the major companies and, you know, maybe even if you like technology, like Tesla, like, like Microsoft, Google, like diversify yourself in general and don't just, I'm an old mining guy, so don't take my advice, but you know, find some sectors that relate to you. Another good advice I got from, from this ex broker of like 50 years was essentially when you have kids, teach your kids that whatever products they use growing up and as they grow and you know, the products they use on a daily basis, tell them, educate them to invest or to even consider on following, you know, that company publicly because as the world grows and as that product that they use on a daily basis, as long as that company is able to, um, you know, keep up with the times and always reinvent themselves and always be able to be there that like, if you look at any, like we're in a junior expiration, but it's small caps and every single company was a small cap company when it first started. Microsoft was a 50 cent stock. Yeah. You could have bought it at 50 cents. Like, yeah. you know, so find things in your everyday life that you believe will grow with you. And you have a connection with, right? Yeah. Like even Disneyland, everyone thinks it's the most magical place in the world. Invest a little in the Disneyland and it should always still be the most magical place in the world. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get what you're saying. And actually that's a, a really good segue to you introduce me to the 30 things. So why don't you tell our listeners about 30 things? Cause it's really cool. And I think it's a great thing to show kids if you're talking about the mining sector or even new to the space. Yeah. You know, pretty much the 30 things. Uh, so the Canadian mining association, or we call it the mining association of Canada, Mac uh, in abbreviation, they created this uh, 30 slide, uh, uh, I guess it was more of like, like a little book and each slide showed everyday life like it, albeit, you know, pretty much the cars, the weddings, pretty much the guitars, you know, the batteries, everything that is surrounded in our general everyday life is there because of minerals and metals. So they highlight all the different minerals and metals it takes to make this podcast speaker or microphone or the TV or yeah. anything like that. And we're completely surrounded by minerals and metals, which this generation, my generation, your generation, their next generations, they don't understand. They want, they need all these cool things in their life, but they don't understand all the metals and minerals and development it takes in order for that to happen. So we're coming into a very important decade yeah. where eventually people are going to understand that the more conscious and environmentally friendly and climate change and all that stuff, in order to get to our targets of, of being a good world, we're going to need more minerals and metals than ever. Oh, absolutely. As we continue to grow, yeah. it's going to become more and more important. Okay, listen, I want to end off with one <laughs> final question. And okay. I can't thank you enough for, for joining us today. I, I always love having these chats with you. Um, final question. What is your advice for a PDAC goer? <laughs> what is your advice? <laughs> I, I have a few. I have a few. My advice to any PDAC goer is at three, somewhere between three and four in the afternoon, get a sandwich. That's my biggest advice. Get a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> working, working, working at 
PDAC the entire week and going to networking events in the evening and nighttime and is essentially sleeping four or five hours a night yeah. for like five, six days it's straight. Intense. You know, those those fruit juices in the morning time. I, I stock juice. my fridge <laughs> with like antioxidant fruit juices and just slam one back. Nice. But yeah, no, and in all seriousness, regardless on what path you're looking, uh, albeit investing, working in, or just learning about the industry and you're going to be at PDEC, yeah. um, look us up. Like pretty much we're, we're, we're an open book and I put a list together of all the networking events and I, I give it out to like 200 plus I contacts. Get, I get your list annually. It's, it's my Bible for PDEC. Networking is key. I know what yeah. I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> I think that really is. I mean, yeah. it's, it's such a neat event um, to get to just go and talk to people. We're all in our own parts of the world and some of us are traveling off to remote areas to go to sites mm. um, and we're in our office and we're working hard and it's a great time of year to connect with everyone in the sector um, and just yeah have those dialogues and, and connect with people yeah and yeah just don't be shy like pretty much I think once again going back to the very beginning like this is going to be the biggest year of this next decade yeah so you need to start positioning yourself in whatever focus you want to do, investing, career, or... Do it now. Yeah, and then I'm going to do a shameless little plug. Do it. <laughs> um, me and a group of people that work within this industry and don't um, are creating a, a mining conference for non-mining people. Um, we're rolling it out. We're bringing in some really cool uh, sponsors that were... There is no pull-up banners or selling stock or having geological maps or contour maps or anything like that. It's all about interactive understanding that we're surrounded by the minerals and metals in this world and how we can learn and grow and apply that. So I'm tuned. really excited about this event. So it'll be in June, right? In June Vancouver. 5th, yeah. And the CSC hopes that we can be a part of it in some way as well. We're so in talks. <laughs> yeah, but definitely I'm really excited about that event. And I think it'll be, I think that the mining space really is getting a bit of a facelift and yeah. it's people like you that are helping make that happen. So um, we'll definitely make sure that we put it out to our listeners. It takes a team effort. Is. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Well, Sean, listen, thank you so much again for joining us. I, I feel like it's an honor to work with you um, oh, and, and, and call you my friend as well. Um, so thank you again. We'll be watching what you're doing. Um, you know, you're building an IR firm, which is pretty exciting. Um, and uh, and what you're doing with Quorum and building out that conference. So we're all watching you, Sean. So don't <laughs> let us down. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs>